1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
0: So, any of y'all been bow fishing? You been? Yeah. Like two of y'all. It's electric. <laughs>
1: Foster texted me, like on, Foster text me like while we were all on the boats. And he's like, bro, are,
0: are you good? Cause he knows. I was like, bro, like I'm from California. You know, I was in Houston, but I didn't do this. You know, and I said, bro, I'm a swamp person. Like I said, this is, <laughs>
1: this is awesome. You know, and because like to me, it's like it's like quarterback. You, you got to see it moving. You got to hit the target. And I saw that big alligator gar. Oh, that was, <laughs> was like, now it freaked me out when they threw it on the boat. He started hitting it in the head with a hammer, but. <laughs> I was like, bro, what are you doing? But it was a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. That was a lot of fun. Yes, Derek Carr, that's how they kill fish. You don't just let it flop around until it dies due to oxygen deprivation. You whack it in the head with something blunt, often a hammer, especially an alligator gar, because they have teeth. And it's always good to have teeth. The animals with teeth, not in the boat. When they are in the boat, you want to subdue very quickly the animal with teeth. And with that, we we'll say good morning. It's PFT Live. Our last show, not ever. Some of you may be <laughs> holding your breath. Wait, oh, ever? This is it? This is the last time we have to watch this? Although, why are you watching it if you're anxious for it to be the last time? Miles Simmons is here. It's the last show for five weeks. We'll be back july 27 just in time for training camps to open pft isn't going anywhere the website will still be around i'll still do pft pm still implies that i ever do i sometimes do i will definitely do them throughout the course of the hiatus because hashtag no days off except when we take days off miles simmons not taking a day off up early in los angeles or somewhere near los angeles to join us hello miles
2: Hello, Mike. Uh, Yes, I am in Los Angeles County, so that still counts in Santa Monica. You know, even though we don't get to vote for the mayor of L.A., we still are in the county and a lot of things that uh, the mayor does still affect us here in Santa Monica. So but I I love my beach town, so I will rep it every single time.
1: Sounds like you're ready to spend the next five weeks since you'll have some extra time. Not that you're on the show more than one day a week in the offseason, but sounds like you're ready to fight City Hall. It does. It sounds like you're ready to organize the folks of Santa Monica to to secure a proper vote in the Los Angeles mayoral election. If those policies and decisions are going to affect you, why should you not have a vote? you know what's funny mike when you said that like you're ready to
2: fight city hall it like took me back to being on stage as a senior in footloose because i was the kevin bacon character and there's literally a line where he goes whoa, "I'll fight city whoa, hall whoa, whoa. if there's one thing we fighting whoa, for it's freedom whoa. and then like the next the next part of the song starts and it's like whoa that was that was a weird little thing that just happened
1: right there <laughs> You you buried the lead whoa, whoa. whoa. You've now given me something far meatier (laughs) than the possibility of Miles Simmons leading the Santa Monica People's (laughs) Rights Coalition in order to have a vote on on the mayoral race in L.A. Whoa. Whoa. Miles Simmons was the lead in Footloose. I was. Whoa. Whoa. Is that really that oh. interesting? You I gotta, you gotta, you gotta give us a little, you gotta give us a little, uh, give us a little something spider. Give us a little something from footloose.
2: <laughs> I just did. I told you what the line was. If there's, oh, no. I'll fight no, city no, hall. No, if there's no. one you, thing worth fighting no. for, no, it's no. freedom. And no, then, no,
1: no, 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 no. You're deliberately, you're deliberately <laughs> misunderstanding my point here because <laughs> as I recall, footloose is a musical. So it is a I assume there was some singing from There's young Miles Simmons yeah. and the repetition, just like my Kentucky Fried Chicken days, the repetition at that age, it gets into your brain. It never goes away. You still have it come back to you. So I suspect there are still moments, whether it's in your dreams at night or whether you're just in a quiet spot where it comes back to you. So let's hear a little footloose. Let's hear your best. Let's hear the big kevin bacon character solo i made the reference a couple of weeks ago about six degrees of kevin bacon hell you're one degree from kevin bacon you played his role let's hear something
2: uh there's no way in hell i am gonna sing at uh, four i don't remember that song i don't know what <laughs> i don't know what time it is here it's 704 on the east coast and that's what my laptop says because i keep my laptop on east coast time but yeah i'm not singing um I don't really. Know. I was going to go somewhere with that. No, I don't know. Maybe one day I'll send you uh, the recording. There's a recording of, of me playing the Kevin Bacon character in Footloose. So maybe one day I'll send that to you. I'll send you a little Ooh. footage. Oh. You can,
1: you can oh. get a little No, one else, of that. no yeah. one else will ever see it. No one else will ever see it. You know what? I know how to get it. I know how to get it. Because the other day, the other day. When you were watching NFL Network and they had something about the 2018 Rams, and you heard your voice because you asked Sean McVay a question, my Uh snarky follow was: They did a nice job of removing the seven times he said "Miles" while answering your question. That was, and you went back and watched it and saw the raw footage. He did say "Miles" once, not seven times, but your mother. Your mother liked my tweet, so I now I now know how to get to your mother, and your mother, Dr. Simmons, will be getting me what I'm looking for. Especially if she, she doesn't watching. have you know, it. I won't even have to ask for it. She oh. doesn't have it. Oh, i will know it. how to get it. She'll find it. She'll find it. <laughs> she just, she'll She's track every... <laughs> something down.
2: Okay, yeah. She sure. can make it exactly. happen. She
1: knows where we, you went we to school. Could... They have archives there.
2: I I don't even know if they'd have that, but you know, you know, what else is funny. Michael It wasn't the only
1: lead role I played, not just singing, but also dancing. I don't want to, I don't want to keep you from giving, giving an even uh, an even more significant revelation here. What, what, what else go ahead. What else did you play? Uh,
2: I I was Roger and rent. That was my, that was my uh, real tour de force role. So that was my junior year. I played Roger and Rent, And then senior year, I was, I was really the star in footloose. Yeah, I know. Boy, glory days, know them all pass you back, glory days. That's where we go. That's my little singing. I don't That's remember high that from That's Rent. It. I don't remember that <laughs> from Rent. It's not in there. <laughs> yeah, I There's just made all sports a bunch writers numbers. happy because, you know, it's Bruce Springsteen, you know, but a big, big, uh, big J sports writer because I like Bruce Springsteen, at least that song.
1: What's the What's the song from Rent, 525,600 Minutes? Is that what it is? Seasons is of it? Love, Can I remember yes. the number. Yeah. Yes, you wow, did. Wow.
2: 525,600 minutes. Well done. Oh, and
1: then you correct me with the real title. Like anybody calls it Seasons of Love. That song <laughs> is called 525,600 minutes. Parenthesis: I mean, Seasons I... of Love. All right. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, why? But why would they? I mean, the, the the clear and obvious title for the song is right there. And they go with no, something else. Anyway.
2: Yeah, because that's what the chorus is. I, I you clearly I have not seen the show, or maybe you have. I don't know, but it's a very good show. I, I like it. Whenever it comes around, I like to go see it. It's a great show.
1: I don't think I've seen it. We've seen a lot. We've seen a lot of Broadway shows over the years. When we used to go to yeah. New York on a regular basis, my wife would come with me two, three times a season. She would go see one on Sunday afternoon if they had a Sunday matinee on her own, yeah. uh, while I was working. But we'd go on a Friday or a Saturday night. So, and and our thing is to get the magnets that they sell, the overpriced magnets that cost 20 cents to make that they sell for $10. And so we have them all (laughs) over our refrigerator. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, she's been to more than me, but we we've been to a lot and I got to the point and I hate this. I got to the point where it no longer was magical. Like for a while it was like, this is great. This is like this self-contained, show that's being done right now just for the people in this theater that really isn't all that large so there's not that many people in the world who are witnessing this now this is great and they do it every day and i'd find myself sitting there wondering like the people in the show like what are their lives like they have to do this every single day (laughs) do they get sick of it are they are they singing the songs all the time do they get to the point where it's like if i have to sing this bleepity bleep 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 song one more time i'm gonna pull my hair out like i i i was getting to the point where the the luster was gone and i felt like i was part of the industry because i'm thinking about all of the business issues and the practicalities of being in one of these shows so anyway well so I've, i think that we that's been to why well i can't remember what we went to last yeah
2: i, I think that that's why you know oh, you know what we went to last people expire you know on that stuff what what's that where did you go
1: hadestown was the last mm-hmm. one we went to Because that was the night, it was on our 25th anniversary weekend, that was the night, as the show ended, I turned my phone on, and it exploded with the news that Andrew Luck had retired. And when I saw our tweet, I thought we had been hacked. That's the last time I was in the theater.
2: (laughs) That's funny. Uh um, this is not the last time I was in a New York theater because I went to school there. So, you know, I went to plenty of shows, which was awesome uh, when I was in college. But I will tell this story. And, and, you know, since you brought up my mom, I'm gonna embarrass her a little bit. So mom, turn down the radio, I guess, or you know, your phone if you're watching it as you get ready for work. But when uh December of nineteen ninety-eight, we were there in New York for a conference, and she took me to see Rent. And now, Mike, you know how old I am. So I was like. Seven, eight years old. She didn't really know what the show was about, but I, uh, you know, when you get into the show, it's, it's a kind of adult show for a child to see. I loved it. I didn't understand what it was about, and then you know there is a transgender character in there. Her name is Angel, and at the end, in the second half of the show, Angel takes off their wig and all of these different types of things, and so I'm like confused. I'm like, "Mommy, where's Angel?" And she's like, "Well." this is the kind of character that this person is. So that was, uh, that was my first introduction to rent when I was very young and my mom took me to see it. I've, I've loved it ever since.
1: Uh, so you're the lead in rent is a junior. The lead in footloose is a senior. You go to this school in New York city. Much about me. Did, 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 did. That's all right. Did, did there come a time when young Miles Simmons considered pursuing acting as you, this is all new to me. I have no, I've known you for, what, three years now? Almost three years? Coming up on three years? Yeah. I don't know. I've lost yeah. track of time during the pandemic. Was there a time where you pondered the performing arts as a career choice? Uh,
2: sort of in high school, but not very seriously. I didn't I didn't think I was good enough to make it, you know? And maybe I was, maybe I wasn't. I don't know. We'll never know. But, yeah, it. it I didn't think it was going to be in the cards for me. Still, so you're still, you're still I young to relative
1: this. to me. You live in L.A. now. Just start uh, do like Kramer did. Of course, if you haven't watched Seinfeld, so you don't know what Kramer did. Kramer moved to L.A. with the goal of being an actor, and he was on Murphy Brown. Mm -hmm. You don't know what Murphy Brown is. That show was on before you were even alive with Candace Bergen. and Seinfeld was on before you were alive, too, technically. So uh, now I'm depressed. But that was fun. That was fun. See, we spent 12 minutes of the program talking exclusively about you on the final day of the show before we go on a five-week break, it was all about Miles Simmons. We have gotten to know Miles Simmons in ways that we had never previously imagined. I'm impressed. I like that. I think it takes a tre- tremendous amount of courage to do something like that. It does. I'm not I'm not bullshitting I here. I can say it today since we're off for five weeks. Hey, we're suspended for five <laughs> weeks because I just said that word. Um but but it does. To, to, to put yourself out there like that, no, that's good. I'm impressed. I really am. I'm not just saying mm-hmm. that. I know it sounds sarcastic as I'm saying it because you're used to that from me. Mm-hmm. I am impressed. All right. Thank you. Uh, something that I'm not impressed by, and fortunately, we didn't have to talk much about Derek Carr and his bow fishing. I wonder if he was out there bow fishing with a sleeveless shirt on. Then again, I just answered my question. Everything he does has a sleeveless shirt on. See, I couldn't let that go. I had to get that little...
2: I'm surprised you didn't talk about him actually referencing the fact that he's from California but he spent time in Houston and he's got the accent
0: Around any corner within every battle and with the dawn of each new day the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat protecting our nation's future the few the proud the marines ebay motors is here for the ride with some elbow grease and a whole lot of love you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own led headlights spoilers whatever you need ebay motors has it at affordable prices and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
1: Well, that, I'm numb to that and I just expect that to come and go and it's going to be full fledged. There was the guy who was the beyond beyond uh, uh the, the what's the guy's name who coaches LSU? Why am I forgetting his name? Brian, Brian Kelly. Brian, what's his last name? Brian, Brian Kelly. Kelly. God. God, see, it's one, this is one of those moments. This is one of those moments where it's like, is it because I'm old, or it's just not a very memorable name? There was a sh- a very no famous company. Cajun oh. chef back in the '80s who had the full blown Cajun hoo-ha! and I just expect it's a matter of time before Derek Carr sounds just like this guy who would do these commercials. Oh, I think it was man. for the. There was some sort of potato chip that he did a commercial for, and uh, it was very, okay. very famous. We wore like a, like, not like a bolo tie, but a string tie and a short sleeve dress shirt, and he had white hair. Somebody's going to find that video and send it to me. Please do, FlorioProFootballTalk.com. But there was a chef, unless I'm just completely remembering it, I'm fully in the throes of dementia. There was a guy back in the 80s who had the full-blown thick Cajun accent. It was the first time I'd ever heard it in my life because I lived a sheltered life. That's what Derek Carr is going to sound like. Now I've finally landed the plane. Although I completely missed the runway. All right. Um, we, we've selected a topic unrelated to football today because it sheds light on the way the business of sports truly operates. And, and I remember when I first had the realization that football is a business. I resisted that because you don't want to think of it as a business. That's why the motto is football is family, not football is business. But it is a business. It's big business. It's about separating you from your money. And it is. And it's about getting you to pay attention to the games that are on TV. It's a three-hour infomercial for which the NFL makes billions of dollars. It's a great scam. It's a great business. It's not a scam because it's legal. But that's what it's about. It's about making as much money as possible. Everybody wins the Super Bowl every year because everybody is making billions, at least the owners are. So the situation in baseball— that came to a head this week because – and I still don't understand the logic of this, the reverse boycott in Oakland. Let's stuff more money into the owner's pocket on the way out of town because the A's are leaving. So let's let's show up in force to the game, 27500 Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. What's but Rob Manford well, okay. What? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go well, ahead. We can, we mean, can talk it, about it, this. You think it makes we, sense. We, I think it doesn't. I, Why give the I guy mean, more money?
2: Well, because you're showing that it's not just, oh, we don't care about this team here in Oakland. I mean, you if you're a fan, what the hell else are you going to do? You have to show that you care by doing something, right? And so you don't want it, the argument to be, oh, well, nobody in Oakland cared about the A's in the first place. Now, I mean, because that's just not what you want it to be, right? I mean, the, the scenes in that Oakland Coliseum, which is an absolute dump, okay? I mean, like, that's just yes. the, the fact of the matter. It, it It's an awful, awful place to work, first of all, because I've done that there many times, but it's also a bad place to watch a game. So, like, that's just, let's make that clear. But, I mean, it's not that people don't care, right? I mean, when you have a product on the field that is as bad as the A's is, and you know, they are awful, and they may lose a record number of games this year for the 162 game baseball era. It's not just that people don't care. So they have to show some way that they care and that they want the A's to remain there. And when it's not up to them, this is the only tangible way that they can really show that. So it's not just about like stuffing the pockets of the billionaires. It's How do we show we care in a way that actually lets people know that we care? And this is the only way that they can do it because everything else is out of their control. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Go ahead.
1: That's fine. No, that's fine. And I appreciate that perspective. Still, the net result is it it funneled more money into the pockets of the billionaires and sold a bunch of tickets and hot dogs and beer. I assume they didn't take their own food in because I don't think that is allowed. So Rob Manford, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, was asked about this yesterday. Apparently, it was a press conference And he was talking about the reality that the A's are on the precipice of relocating to Las Vegas, or at least having the the deal in place to move there, along with the Raiders, who've already done it. Said Manford, I feel sorry for the fans in Oakland. I do not like the outcome. I understand why they feel the way they do. I think the real question is, what is it Oakland was prepared to do? There is no Oakland offer, okay? 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 They never got to a point where they had a plan to build a stadium at any site. The community has to provide support. At some point, you come to the realization it's just not going to happen. Now, that's a lot to unpack, but the notion that he would just flat out say that the community has to support, you you have to pay for a stadium? You have to? That's how you show support for a team? The support for the team is showing up on a regular basis it's going to watch the team when the team is bad it's sticking with the local team through thick and thin it's buying a bunch of overpriced stuff i was talking about the ten dollar magnets at the broadway show that probably cost 20 cents to make i mean the margin that they make on the beer and the hot dogs and the popcorn it's criminal if you were in any other place in the world and you had options as to where you were going to buy your food the last thing you're, you're going to do is pay those rates, but they know they've got you. If you're there and you got three hours to kill and you want to eat, ha, here it is. Everybody except the Atlanta stadium, the Mercedes-Benz stadium, uh, puts that thumb on the scale and the other thumb and the rest of the fingers and they press down. So that's how a local fan base and the fans are fine with it. They, they You know, when you go to a game. You're going to get raked over the coals financially. You're going to get screwed. You're paying a premium for everything, and that's fine. We go. We enjoy it. It's part of our our life. We like it. That's how you support a team. You don't support a team by saying, "Oh, well, you know, we're going to rally together as a group of citizens, uh, much like in Santa Monica, to get you know a vote in the mayoral race in Los Angeles. We are going to rally around and 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 flex our political muscle and and get a billion dollars or whatever it's going to take." to keep the team. That's not a prerequisite to having a team. It's something that the owners very much like because they don't want to have to pay for it themselves. But I think it's offensive to fans for the commissioner of any sport to come out and say it. It's one thing to believe it like Roger Goodell does. It's next level for Rob Manford to offend all fans by saying there's some obligation, Miles, to actually provide not all but a significant part of the cost of a stadium.
2: Yeah. And, and frankly, I mean, knowing the way that things here in California work, as I do, and I've, I've lived here on and off, let's call it, since 2016, but for the majority of that time, look, you don't have to be in a situation where you need public funding, right, for a stadium if you are a billionaire, okay? And I think we should just say that flat out. You know, that's one of these things that is so frustrating, where you hear billionaires talk about, oh, well, we need some funding, we need support, we need this, we need that, in order to build a stadium. Know the bleep, you don't, because you have the funds to do it. And especially in this state, in California, there is no appetite for publicly funding a stadium. So that's one thing. Now, there are stadiums that get built. Obviously, SoFi Stadium did just down the road from me here in Los Angeles. That was a privately funded building and development that did absolutely get some tax breaks from the city of Inglewood as well. So there was a public-private partnership, but not in the same way where you see it where like in New York, for instance, for the Buffalo Bill Stadium, right? So I think that just as a concept is one of those things where when you have Rob Manfred saying, oh, well, there was no plan, and the the community's got to support it, and the city's got to support it, and what are they going to do, and da-da-da-da-da, that's one thing that's bad. But the second thing is, there have been multiple plans put forth by the county of Alameda, city of Oakland, whatever entity you want to call it, for the Oakland A's to get a stadium. And one of the problems with the Raiders that was in Oakland is that so much of what was going to happen to that team in that city was uh, contingent on what the A's were going to do. And so when I was living in Oakland in 2019, I mean, it was one of those deals where they said that they had a project that they were going to try to do Um, down by uh, Jack London square right on the waterfront. And it was this big thing. And it was this and that they had a preview center for it. So it's not like there's never been any sort of plan from the city of Oakland, the County of Alameda for the Oakland ace. So I I just think everything that Rob Manfred has been kind of saying here is one of those things where it's like, man, I don't know if you are really being that honest and genuine. And to a point He's got to protect his employer, right? John Fisher, the owner of the A's. He's got to protect that guy because that is just much like Roger Goodell has to be the pin cushion for all the owners in the National Football League. It's the same kind of thing with Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball. But I think there's a much better way of messaging it that Rob Manfred could do than what he's been doing. And I think that that's where some of this gets as ugly as it's been.
1: And see, that's what makes it even worse. I'm glad you went there. Not only is it incredibly crass for Rob Manford to say the community has an obligation to support the team, he's not telling the truth about the efforts made by the community to, wait for it, support the team. Right. And to the credit of the, the powers that be in Oakland, they hit back. And uh, of course, the statement was issued and I think we have it. But you know, the bottom line is, as the mayor of Oakland, Shang Tao, said through a spokesperson, this is just totally false. It was a very concrete proposal under discussion and Oakland had gone above and beyond. Clear hurdles including securing funding for infrastructure, providing environmental review, and working with other agencies to finalize approval. The reality is the A's ownership had insisted on a multi-billion dollar 55-acre project that included ballpark residential, commercial, and retail space in Las Vegas. For whatever reason, they seem satisfied with a nine-acre leased ballpark on leased land. If they had proposed a similar project in Oakland, we feel confident a new ballpark would already be under construction. Oakland showed its commitment to the A's, and that is why the A's belong in Oakland. So You say the quiet thing out loud that commissioners like Roger Goodell never say out loud. And then Mm -hmm. that thing you say in this specific setting is false. There were efforts made. And see, this is where it meshes with the fictional team that tried to leave Cleveland some 30 years ago before you were born in the movie Major League, where the owner may just be hell bent on getting out of town. And so Mm -hmm. any effort that's made, no matter how reasonable it is, is going to be viewed as not good enough because I don't care. I'm just going through the motions here until I can pull up the stakes and move the big top to a place where I choose to be, much like your former employer Stan Kroenke did, frankly, in St. Louis. They would have found a way to keep the Rams there. He didn't want to stay. He wanted to pay for a stadium that he thought would generate a significant return on his investment, and I'm sure that it has and will continue to do so, but nothing St. Louis did was going to make a difference. Nothing Oakland did was going to make a difference. That's what it feels like to me, that Oakland would have done something acceptable and suitable and proper for the A's. They just don't want it.
2: Absolutely. And, and that's kind of what the problem is, right? When you have a threat of relocation, sometimes the threat actually is just, yeah, no, we're going to do this because this is what I want to do. And I'm a billionaire and I can do this versus we don't really want to move. We just have to say something to get you to do what it is that we want to do. So, I mean, the parallel that you made with St. Louis and the Rams, I think is absolutely proper. And I lived through it and, you know, I, I, I'm very sensitive to it, too, because I grew up in Cleveland and they took and Baltimore, took my team away from me. And so there's also a part of me that's like, well, if I trash this particular move with the Rams, like it is a little bit hypocritical, if not a lot hypocritical, because it undoubtedly benefited me in my life personally and professionally. And I live here now. So that's also part of it. But I think when you look at that aspect of things right where it was Stan Kroenke and the league wanted the Rams back in Los Angeles in that particular project right it that's just kind of the way it worked out and St. Louis got bleeped by it and the fact of the matter is the league wanted the Rams back out here with that particular project because You now have a world-class stadium, and you've got the West Coast NFL headquarters right there. I mean, it is literally on the same campus. That is where NFL Network is broadcast from. So that's where it gets difficult when you have a league and an owner and a team that wants to be in a certain place. More often than not, it's going to happen. And that's the unfortunate reality. And it it means that fans, unfortunately, do not matter in the equation because the league, the owner, the team have determined that they can make more money by being in a different location. And that is something that, you know, as somebody who likes sports and who has watched sports for all my life and cares about fan bases, like that sucks. That sucks as a reality.
1: But it is the reality, and it gets back to football is business, baseball is business, basketball is business, hockey is business, any professional sport where they charge you to get in, and they're trying to make as much money as possible to further feather the nest of the Scrooge McDuck who owns the team. It's all about maximizing revenue and making business decisions, and they will swap out one fan base for the other. They'll do it. They won't hesitate to do it. There's no loyalty there. Loyalty's bought and paid for in the NFL. I true. used the line from Dwight Schrute about loyalty. I, I'm very loyal, and uh, I like to think I'm being paid for my loyalty. And if someone else would like to pay me more for my loyalty, they'll have my loyalty. That's what mm-hmm. happens. And, and so there's two ways that it goes down. And the way it's going down in Oakland is, and this is what makes what Manfred said yesterday even more offensive. It's not a situation where Oakland's saying, too bad. We're not doing anything. We can't do anything. They're actually finding a way to try to do something at a time when the appetite in California is you're on your own. Mm -hmm. That's one way that it happens, where you're going to leave no matter what. You're just going through the motions, and you're never going to accept whatever is offered because you're hell-bent on leaving. That's the cronky model. The other model is the Modell model. And I know that this brings back bad memories for you from your young childhood when the Browns up and left, but – This is a situation where you try your damnedest to get something and whatever you're getting isn't good enough. And there's another community out there. And Baltimore had lost the Colts to Indianapolis 11 years earlier. There's another community out there that's willing to do the thing that the local community won't do. That's what happened with the Chargers. That's what happened with Who else? The Raiders. That's what happened with them. The Raiders didn't have a deal from Oakland. The Raiders didn't walk away from a potential deal. They had no deal. And then here comes Las Vegas with $750 million to build a stadium. So that's what what happens. Um, In most of these cases, when it's a relocation, it's because the team would like to stay, but... There's another city that is making them an offer they can't refuse involving a significant influx of public money that gets them the stadium they want. As long as there are cities out there that can pull together the money that the current city can't, that possibility of a relocation is going to hover over every professional sport.
2: Well, and, I mean, you didn't say it, but I think that the examples you were talking about is something that happened when the rams moved from los angeles to st louis in the first place right they were yes. playing at yes. the anaheim angels stadium which i mean it was renovated much later but you know that was another one of those deals where george He got a great deal from st louis and that deal that lease was kind of the basis for why the rams had the right and i put right kind of in air quotes but you know they they did based on the lease to relocate back to Los Angeles. And I also appreciate that graphic for not putting the Browns relocation to Baltimore in there. And also as a uh, Cleveland native, I got to say, you know, the, the city and the County and whatnot, were willing to do plenty of things for art model. He was just a bad businessman. And he ended up having to sell the Ravens very shortly after going to Baltimore anyway, because he wasn't a very good businessman. So, you know, that's why he's not in the hall of fame.
1: And, and look for every team that's moved. There are teams that have used that, unspoken and sometimes they have to say it out loud, at least to the local politicians to get their attention. They did that in Minnesota more than a decade ago because the Vikings were in that, that, Hey, we got to get a stadium at some point. We got to work this out at some point. Red McCombs ultimately sold the team in 2005 to the Wilfs because he gave up on the efforts to try to build a new stadium in Minnesota. I remember Miles back in 95 when the Browns moved to Baltimore. I thought, hey, you know what? Maybe the Vikings will move to Cleveland. They're just two hours up the road. I could deal with that now. And I was kind of conflicted because during that period in in Vikings history, it's like even though I don't live in Minnesota and I can't easily go to the games, they're not the same team if they're not in Minnesota. So I kind of wanted them to stay. But it was an extended period of time of uncertainty and it took I remember we probably wrote about it at PFT, yeah, because it it happened in 2011 or so. Art Rooney, who was in charge of whatever they called that committee, the stadium committee, not the relocation committee, because that kind of gives (laughs) up what they're up to. But he went up there and spoke to the politicians. And behind closed doors, he told them in no uncertain terms, if you don't do this, they're leaving. Period. They're leaving. And we'll support their effort to leave if you don't do this. And then they finally did it. And they've got this beautiful world-class facility now in Minnesota. It's already paid for itself. Everything's worked Mm -hmm. out. But it ultimately took a significant public investment. And sometimes you got to scare the crap out of the local politicians who don't want to have their legacies tied to losing the team. They'll dig deep and come up with taxpayer money that if you put it out to a vote, it wouldn't prevail. That's the great irony here. Mm -hmm. You can find a way if you're a billionaire sports owner to work The politicians who are already in place to give you the money you want, knowing that if that specific proposition was ever put out to the electorate, it would fail. That's what's amazing to me, that these deals keep getting done because they go to the politicians who are willing to expend their political capital on it because they don't think they're ever going to get voted out because they supported it. They're concerned if they don't support it and the team leaves, that's a stain on them.
2: Well, and we know that these things fail because it did fail in San Diego, right? There was a proposal to get a new stadium in San Diego in the La- before they moved ultimately up to Los Angeles, and it was put to a vote, and the vote failed, right? And it was never going to be that close, and we all kind of knew that that was going to be the outcome, but it was the outcome because, as you say— There is no real appetite to use taxpayer dollars for that purpose when you have all kinds of other things that taxpayer dollars can and probably should be used for. So that's, I think, just one tangible example of what it is that we're talking about.
1: There is another wrinkle to this A's relocation that I had forgotten about, even though I wrote the story at PFT less than two months ago. Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, Mm -hmm. is not in favor of the a's moving to las vegas now look at a very basic business level you don't want your market to get crowded with other pro sports teams even though you'll support the other pro sports teams you're all competing for the same dollars and the same eyeballs and the same loyalty and i've said that before and sims gets mad at me it's like do you really think like the patriots support the Red Sox and the Celtics, the way they act like they do? Or do they want to be the top dogs in Boston? And It's true of any market with multiple teams. I think at a certain level, each team wants to be the king, and then they'll support the other teams in town. Well, Mark Davis has no desire to support the A's, and not because of competition, but because of what happened in Oakland. Here's just a little of what he said back on April. We wrote the story on April 20th, so it was probably 19th or 20th. I won't forget what they did to us in Oakland. He said of the A's. They squatted on a lease for 10 years and made it impossible for us to build on that stadium. They were looking for a stadium. We were looking for a stadium. They didn't want to build a stadium. And then they went ahead and signed a 10 year lease with the city of Oakland and said, we're the base team at the crap hole Coliseum that they shared. They marketed their team as rooted in Oakland. That's been their mantra through this whole thing. The slogans they've been using have been a slap in the face to the Raiders, and they were trying to win over that type of mentality in the Bay Area. Well, all they did was F-K the Bay Area. That was Mark Davis two months ago. So welcome to Las Vegas. The welcome to Las Vegas sign. Mark Davis is going to go back there with a can of spray paint. He's going to put at the bottom, except the A's. Yeah,
2: well, but it, it, that's that was kind of what I was alluding to earlier uh, when we were talking about the Ace situation and how they prevented the Raiders from really getting something done there. It, and they did, they had that entire rooted in Oakland campaign, and it's we're going to stay here because the Raiders left. Oh, and then um, the Golden State Warriors went across the bay to San Francisco and they have the Chase Arena instead of playing an Oracle. I, so it was, oh man, we are rooted here. We're going to be here. We're going to stay here and blah, blah, blah. So I, I understand why Mark Davis would be upset with that particular ownership group for the uh, Oakland Athletics, and maybe perhaps soon to be Las Vegas Athletics. Right, that is going to be a very interesting dynamic if and when that actually does come to fruition. That the A's are in Las Vegas and sharing that state, sharing a media market, I should say. They're not going to share the same stadium, but they're going to share basically, you know, territory. And Las Vegas isn't even that big. It's interesting that all these teams are, you know, flocking to one of the not bigger media markets in the United States, especially when you're abandoning one of the bigger media markets in the United States for that. I like Las Vegas. I think Las Vegas is a very fun town. The more sports in Las Vegas, I think kind of the better. But it is one of these interesting elements to me where, you know, you, fly, you leave the Bay Area, that's where you go. And I understand why it's personal for Mark Davis in this situation. I really do.
1: Well, it's become this entertainment capital, and part of the entertainment then is to have football, baseball, yeah. hockey. It feels inevitable they're going to have an NBA team there. It feels inevitable, yeah. and it's all it does. because of this shift in acceptance of gambling. The stigma is gone because now all these other states have it. It makes it easier for sports teams and leagues to embrace Las Vegas as long as the players As long as the players don't go into the casino while they're in Las Vegas, we'll be talking about that later in the program. So, look, the bottom line is Manfred made a fool out of himself yesterday, and he's being roundly criticized by everyone. And as you said, he's doing the bidding of his overlords on one hand, but on the other hand, he didn't do it very well. This is why Roger Goodell makes whatever he makes. We don't know what he makes now because the NFL is no longer a tax-exempt trade organization where they have to publish the compensation given to the top executives – It's north of 60. Maybe it's as much as 80. Who the hell knows? He's in the process of getting a new contract. You've got some folks like Jerry Jones who think they're paying too much, and he's pinching pennies, and he'd like to pay less, but he isn't even trying to stop this from happening. But one of the reasons Commissioner Goodell gets what he gets, he's very adept in those settings of stick-handling his way through a tough question, not saying a damn thing. Mm -hmm. and then waiting for the next question. And in that setting, you're not going to get an aggressive follow-up. Sir, you did not answer my question. Sir, I'm prepared to sit here until hell freezes over until you answer my question. That doesn't happen in a press conference. They hurry the microphone to the next person who moves on, typically to the next topic. Although they did have Goodell on the run within the past year or two on something with Daniel Snyder, I think it was, where they kept on him and kept on him and kept on him. That rarely happens. All he's got to do is just word salad, say nothing, wait, and then do the same thing with the next question. He would have never said what he said. If he was asked a question like what Rob Manford was asked yesterday, it would have been something along the lines of, you know, everybody tried, everybody worked in good faith, and sometimes we reach solutions and sometimes we don't. And it's unfortunate that it's come to this but this is the business decision that has been made. He wouldn't even go that far. It would be something innocuous. It would be something meaningless. It would be something pointless. And nobody would be saying today, my God, what a horrible performance that was. He not only said something he shouldn't have said, he also told a lie while saying the thing he never should have said. It's
2: it's incredible how much messaging matters, right? And you know, I think we saw that this week with Sean McDermott and Stefan digs and the bills and whatever happened there, right so I think if you look at these particular situations and how the different commissioners handle them, it tells you a lot about what they' be- what they're best at and it's very clear that Rob Manfred is not best at messaging, and messaging is such a huge part of the job it, it makes me wonder like what what the hell is going on there but I guess that's baseball
1: well well and, and the thing is, the appetite. For information and access and the press conferences, the number of press conferences Roger Goodell does, I remember back during the Ray Rice thing, he, he said that he's available to the media every day. So something that was not true. That, and, and see, the, the rare moments that he says something that isn't true stand out because right. he rarely puts himself in that position where he says something that is objectively and undeniably false. He's not available to the media every single day. But he is available at least five times a year. After every ownership meeting, he's available. Mm -hmm. And before the Super Bowl, he's available. Five times a year, sometimes more than that. If there's other occasions that come up or special meeting like what we're going to have next month or early August for the vote on the commanders, he'll speak at the end of that. So he does it more often. And he is very good at it. And I think the more you have to operate on that high wire, the easier it is. To slip back into high wire mode and not say something that's going to get you roundly criticized and make you the topic of every. I mean, hell, when on earth would we ever have showcased the comments of the commissioner of any other sport at the top of an edition of PFT Live? Now, look, Pickens are slim right now. But even with <laughs> that, we've started the show. We could have talked about DeAndre Hopkins, and we will. We could have talked about something else, and we will, but we're talking about this because it really, I mean, I I don't want to be, you know, the guy that busts the bubble, but I think anybody that's got a true zeal for the National Football League shouldn't kid themselves about what it really is. It's okay. It's like when I found out wrestling was fake or scripted. It's not fake. The physicality is not fake except when they pretend to punch someone in the face and stomp their foot to distract the attention and supply the sound effect. And you got, you know, a generation of kids thinking that's how men fight. And then you go get your ass kicked because you try to punch somebody and stomp your foot while you punch and stop short. Anyway, when I found out wrestling was fake, I still enjoyed it. It's okay to find out the NFL is a business that is premised on making as much money as possible and still enjoy it. Just understand this is part of the thing that you love. This is the underbelly. The reality that they're trying to make as much money as possible and football is family is not what they mean. They mean football is business, but it's good for business to say football is family. That's what they mean.
2: Did you once try to punch somebody and stomp your foot at the same time and get your ass kicked? You
1: sure? No, I figured out that didn't work. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I, I told the story one day in the not too distant past, and you apparently you weren't watching that day of the only fight I ever had in my life, and I won't bore I think you. Told it when I was on the, the, the details. show. Details. So, yeah. Oh well, then now now you go. So now you forget. That's my only fight. it it, it all started because <laughs> someone dared to spit on my prized possession, the Vikings jacket that I got from my grandparents when I was yeah, ten years sorry, old. Man. He spat on my jacket, so we rumbled. One punch, he went down, I went down. I'm going to tell my dad, he said, as he ran away, and that was the end of it.
2: Congratulations on well, winning the fight.
1: Not quite as compelling as being the lead in, in Footloose. Um, oh well, was there a fight? A Did you have a against. fight scene in Footloose? How did they do the tractor, like when they played chicken with the <laughs> tractors? How did that translate to the stage?
2: There was uh there were spins. There were no uh there's nothing like that. There was no uh like tractor scene. It's it's a different script and there are different songs, there are different versions of the songs in footloose. If I had to right now, I, I probably I mean, like you were saying with the KFC thing, I could probably do the signature like footloose dance, like of the chorus right now, which is crazy because that was uh 13 years ago that I was doing that. Yeah, so uh, uh, for whatever reason, it is, it is still seared into my
1: brain. You say that as if it were a really long time ago. As it is you for age, me, relatively. 13 years, that's what it all comes down to. I think, I think it really does. I, I yeah. thought of this years ago. The older you are, the faster time goes because Absolutely. you're – Exper- because you've lived longer, so you've been through years. It seems like less time. The younger yes. you are. Like, I remember when I was a kid, it felt like a year. A year felt like... I mean, you didn't have to know what to compare it to, but it felt like a really long time. Now, for me, a year is just like this. Like, I, I, I was... You know, when I woke up today, it's like, well, here we are again. It's another last Friday before we get a five-week break. And before you know it, the five-week break is going to be up. And before you know it, it's going to be next year with another five-week break. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Lather, rinse, Uh, repeat until Mm -hmm. you die. You're all going to die. We are another Friday closer to death. (laughs) Yes, we are. All right. Uh, Let's take a break. Right on time, too. Just about right on time. Boom. Um, DeAndre Hopkins. What would have been the lead but for Rob Manfred stepping in shit yesterday? DeAndre Hopkins update when PFT Live continues right after this.
0: Suffering from aches and pains? The all-new Tempur-Pedic Adapt mattress eases your pressure points all night, every night. Now save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets at tempur Select adjustable mattress sets only. Lesser savings may apply.